0: Hi, I'm Steve Duke, and this is the Two Roads Podcast. I started this podcast to help people find a job and find a life that they really love, one that they find meaningful, that they have purpose in, that they're satisfied with. And I started it because I was having a lot of conversations with my friends or my colleagues about where they were at in their lives, and they felt that often there was something missing, and they had these big questions, you know, is this really the job that I want to do? For the rest of my life? Is this really how I want to spend my time for the next 5, 10, 20 years? And so I started this podcast to have conversations with people, to hear about their stories, to hear about what they had done. Because it's very hard for us to imagine or to know what different careers or different paths are like without somebody telling us about them. And so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to talk to people, hear what they had done, dive deep into why they enjoy it. How do they make that change? What is the actual job actually like? What do they do on a day-to-day basis? And I hope that by having these conversations, people can maybe discover new paths. Maybe they can learn something. Maybe they can get some inspiration or some motivation to make a change themselves if that's something that they want to do. And that's why the vast majority of the episodes on this podcast are interviews. right? They're conversations with other people about their own journey and their path. But I've also really been enjoying doing some solo episodes like I did last week. And last week's one was a bit, um, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll kind of know the backstory of this, which is unfortunately I had a guest cancel um, very late, which kind of forced me to record this solo episode last week. But I really enjoyed it because it was kind of a new medium for me to explore different ways to tackle the same problem, this kind of challenge of how do we kind of figure out what it is that we want to do with our lives? How do we shape our lives and make decisions to move them towards something that we get a bit more satisfaction from, or we feel a bit more purpose in or a bit more meaning in? And so today is another one of those episodes. I don't have a guest; It's just me. Um, And I want to, I'm going to do a couple of things. I'm going to tell a couple of stories to start. Then I'm gonna explore this really interesting book and tell you about it, which is called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. It sounds a bit morbid. It's not really, it's actually, it's much more hopeful than it sounds, but it has some really great lessons for us as we think about what it is that we want to do with our lives. And then the last one is I'm gonna talk about how to have difficult conversations and how to navigate those. Because very oftentimes, if we want to make a change, whether it's, you know, leave our job, or if we have to do something like let somebody go in work, these type of things, they're all hard conversations, but they have to be done. And very often they're kind of what's standing between where we are now and where we want to go. And I was having a conversation earlier with a good friend of mine, uh, Samantha Brett, who was actually on one of the previous episodes of the two rows, and we were talking about how to actually have these conversations and how important they are. And so at the end of this episode, I'll do kind of a quick deep dive in some of the things that I've learned over the years about how to have difficult conversations, how to deliver a difficult message, because it's often the thing that's standing between where you are now and where you might want to go. So if you want more of this type of content you can follow me on socials on linkedin you can get me at steve Duke, just my personal profile on instagram i have a whole separate profile just for the podcasts, and it's at two roads pod and so i put up like clips from these episodes like short form clips if you want to have a look at those but then also other types of content but all really around that concept of helping people to figure out what it is that they want to do with their life, discover new jobs, new careers, new kind of paths that might be out there um, and help them to think about if that's something that they might want to do. Shout out to my man, but for now, Shout out to all the I want to get into this episode, so let's up. do it. Now we here, right. yeah. Last week, I was in a massive rush. I had popped into my local shopping center to do some jobs. And I'd finished all my jobs, but realized at the time on my my parking was running out. I was sort a of work call that I needed to get back to. So I was feeling under pressure. I was in a rush and I was already cutting it way too close. And so I was storming down the corridor in this shopping center. I was doing that kind of you know, that uncomfortable speed where you feel like you probably should be running, but you also know that that would be very weird to just break out into a sprint in the middle of a shopping center. Um, I had a podcast playing in my ears, but I wasn't listening to it. And the shopping center was super crowded. There was people everywhere. There's people in my way, and I was starting to get really pissed at them. In my head, I was screaming. I was like, Jesus, come on, people. Get out of the way. Get a move on. And I felt like a, like a boy racer almost going around on country roads, but I was stuck behind a fucking green tractor or something and i'd be doing this thing where i'd you know pull out into the opposite lane to see if i could see anything coming to try and make an overtake but then I have to like dip back in again i was like oh i was getting so pissed off and by this time my parking had definitely run out and i was getting more and more frustrated and so at this point where i just completed you know high speed high speed walking overtake of a group of teenagers who are walking you know, four abreast along this corridor when I saw her. It was this tiny old woman and she was standing stationary in the middle of this massive crowd. And she was alone. She was wrapped up in this big cream knitted cardigan. And she had a matching cream beanie that was plopped down on top of her head. And she was just standing there in the middle of all these people hurrying left and right and up and down. She was like a character out of one of those Wes Anderson films who was just standing there and looking straight forward. And she looked so timid, and there's something so innocent and cute about her. And then something on her cardigan caught my eye. I looked down and I saw that there was this little blue badge on her cardigan with the words, I have low vision. And There was something about this moment that just really struck me. I had been in this massive rush. All about me trying to get home, thinking about my parking ticket. And then there's this kind of poor little old lady just standing there. And she just looks so innocent and so shy or something. And it just hit me. And. I think moments like this are. I, I find them actually very helpful because they change your perspective on things, and they just snap you out of whatever kind of headspace that you might have been in, where you're very focused on yourself or your work, or you know you're starting to think that these were the massive things that matter. And then you see something like this, and it could be anything, right? It's different for everybody, but this is one that just hit me when I just kind of saw this little, little woman there with her little low vision badge. And I was like, this poor little old lady is just trying to get around in her day and she's not worrying about, you know, her parking ticket or whether she's gonna get home in time for a work call. And it just helps it, it helps me that day to just find a different perspective on things. And I think it's it's good to have those little moments and to recognise them. Because we can often get very, very stressed about, you know, what's going on in our own lives. But then seeing something like this can kind of snap us out of that and let us look at things in a different light. So Bronnie Ware is an Australian woman who worked in palliative care for many years, which is basically when you're looking after people who are going to die. They know they're going to die. And after her period working in this way, she wrote a book and the book is called The Top Five Regrets of the dying and as i said in the intro this does sound a bit morbid but i think it's actually a very it's a very interesting book and it's very interesting insights to hear about people who've got to the end of their lives and who are able to look back on all the time that they spent on this earth and say this is what i i wish i'd done instead these are the regrets that they had because you know if we can apply them now in our own lives. Hopefully we get to the end of our lives and we have a a few less than they do. Hopefully we don't, we can't even come up with five, right? And so I'm going to chat through what each of these five um, regrets that she kind of notes in in her book and maybe reflect a little bit on them and and talk a bit about them. Mm -hmm. So the first one that these people had who'd gotten to their end of their lives, and this was the biggest regret that most or the most common regret that they had was I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And I think that's so interesting when people realize that their life is almost over and they look back on it. It's easy to imagine how many of their dreams might've gone unfulfilled. They, You know, most people had not honored even half of the dreams and they had to kind of die knowing that it was due to the choices that they had made or that they'd not made along the way. And health brings a freedom that you only realize when it's gone. And, you know, I'm lucky enough. I've obviously never been in a situation where my health has been in a place where, (laughs) you know, I haven't been able to do the things that I've wanted to do. But you can imagine what it's like to get to the end of your life and say, oh, I had all these dreams, I had this big bucket list of things that I wanted to do or aspirations for myself, um, and now they're never gonna happen, right? And like, that's, that's extremely sad. Um, But I think the other interesting thing about this is to think that if you look at it, what they're saying is that they didn't, they wish they'd had the courage to live a life true to themselves, And not the life others expected of me. And I think this is something that probably a lot of us know naturally is that I talked about in the last podcast, what other people think of you, it doesn't really matter. Like, and I talk about just trying to say, fuck them, like it doesn't matter, but it takes courage to, to say that it takes courage to be able to live a life true to yourself. But for me, it's actually motivation to get that courage, to hear that people get to the end of their lives and they say, I wish I'd had it. I wish I'd had that bit more courage earlier on in my life to be true to myself, to live the life that I wanted, to not care about what other people expected of me. That kind of gives me a bit of a kick up the ass, to be honest with you, and say, hey, you know, it's um, it's the stick motivation, right? Which is like, don't fucking get to the end of your life and sit there and go, I wish I'd had the courage. I wish I'd been a bit braver, right? I don't want to do that. So the number two regret that these people had when they got to their end of their lives was, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. People regretted the amount of time that they spent at work not necessarily because of what they were doing at work, but more about what they missed out on. So a lot of people had missed, you know, their children's youth. Um, they'd missed spending time with their partner. Um, they'd missed spending times on things just that they, outside, that they enjoyed outside of work, right? Like the little things, like their hobbies, spending time with friends and family and all these other good things. And, you know, th- the message i think that i take away from this is actually not that you know work is bad because i my belief system anyway kind of tells me that actually work can be really good and it's important to have something that you care about in work and that you can do a good job in because you know most of us do need to work and we should have something there that we care about but the message is more about making sure that you don't miss out on other things in your life because you're spending all your time working. The third thing that they regretted when they got to their end of their lives was that they wished they had had the courage to express their feelings. So the author notes how many people had suppressed their feelings in order to keep the peace, keep the peace with other people. And as a result, they settled for a, in times like mediocre, existence and they never became who they felt they were truly capable of becoming. And they said that there was kind of like a bitterness or a, a resentment that they carried as a result of this. And, you know, this could be something that they didn't tell somebody, right? You do hear about these people who had, you know, really deep feelings for somebody, whether it's like somebody in their family right? like people who'd never kind of told people in their family that they'd love them or a romantic relationship or maybe the opposite, right? That there was some relationship that they should have told the person that they didn't like or that they didn't love them and they didn't do that either. Right. And I think it's very natural to be afraid of kind of expressing your feelings in this way because it's super vulnerable. I'm definitely not good at this. Um, And it's tough, but I can really understand why this would be a regret, right? When you get to the end of your life and you're like, again, it comes back to that courage, right? That courage is actually in this sentence as well. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. And it's actually, um, it's relevant for this podcast because after this, I'm going to talk about, you know, some things that we might be able to do to have those conversations, have those tricky conversations where we might want to express our feelings. The fourth thing that they noted as a regret was, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And what the author talks about is how very often they wouldn't truly realize the f- benefits of old friends until they were at, you know, their last few weeks, right? And it wasn't even possible for them to get in contact with them or track them down, right? And many people had become had apparently become kind of very caught up in their own lives and their own careers or the things that they were doing as individuals. And they'd let these friendships that had been very, very strong at one point in their life, they'd let them go. And they had deep regrets about that, about not giving friendships the time and effort that they deserved. And apparently everybody really misses their friends when they're dying. I think the lesson to take from this is, is super obvious, right? Like we know who our good friends are and whatever we can do to kind of invest in those relationships, to make the effort, even when it's not convenient, is, is valuable. It's tough. I know it. like, it's really tough to keep friendships. I've moved to Australia, right? I'm at the other side of the world to many of my friends who I, grew up with and who I'm best friends with and the same with my family. And keeping those relationships is hard. For sure, like it requires a lot of work. Um, I'm not always good at it, but I try to make the effort to get on the phone to them, to stay, you know, in the group chat, to keep messaging people, to, to go home whenever I can, even if there's not really a full reason to go home if there's, or if there's a, if there is a reason, if there's a wedding or if there's a party or something like that, trying to make the effort, even when it's inconvenient to go home, like it's a bit of a pain in the ass sometimes, but it's always worth it. And if I think it's worth it now, it's definitely going to be worth it in 10, 20 or 40 years time when I still have these, you know, great relationships um, with these people in my life. And the last thing that these people said when they were asked about what their regrets were, and this one I actually think is is really interesting, is that they wish they'd let themselves be happier. And apparently this was a surprisingly common one. Many people didn't realise until the end that there was a choice around happiness and that they had stayed stuck in maybe some old patterns and habits and the comfort of familiarity overflowed into their emotions as well as their physical lives. And the fear of changing from that familiarity had them pretending to others and to themselves that they were content. When deep down, they longed for something different. They'd longed to laugh, to have silliness in their life, to have a bit of fun. Uh, A lot of them said that they got really serious like as they grew up and they wished that they'd allowed themselves to embrace more of the child that's within them and to just, you know, have big belly laughs and have joy and do the things that made them happy in a very simplistic fashion. And I was thinking about this today when I was reading it because I was talking about, I was thinking about the um, how much play we have in our lives and that's something that's very important to me i realise that play in whatever format whether that's you know through a sport or you know whatever form of play something that, where you feel like a kid and you're just out there having a bit of fun is really really important mm-hmm. but then i also find that sometimes like i could be joking around and playing like a kid or doing something stupid and i catch myself and i say geez soon don't do that like that's you look a bit stupid there, like you look like a child. You're supposed to be a, you know, an adult. And reading this today, where people get to the end of their lives and they say that, I wish i had let myself be happier. I wish that I had embraced more fun and more play and more joy and more laughter and more silliness in my life was really nice because it kind of gave me permission to do those stupid things and not to give out to myself about them. Yeah. So those were the five things that these people had kind of noted that they'd regretted towards, they'd regretted about their lives. Um, I know different people have like kind of different opinions and how they treat regrets. Oftentimes I'm like, okay, when I think about maybe my own regrets in life, I'm like, well, there's nothing I can do about them. So better just move on. But I think when you look at somebody else's regrets, they can actually be very informative because if you, Hear these people who spent their whole lives, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 years of their lives on this planet, and they'd, they've had experiences and they've so much more time than we have, and they can look back and say, I, you know, I really wish I'd done this instead. I think that's worth listening to. It doesn't mean that we're going to go out there and be able to do all of these things, right? They're still hard to do, but again, it's another perspective shift that can maybe help us to think differently about some of the decisions that we're making. Back in 2019, I was living in Ireland when I made the decision that I wanted to move to Australia. But I was in a job at the time. I was working at a company called Let's Get Checked and I hadn't told my boss yet. And I was so nervous about doing this. I wasn't sleeping properly i was incredibly worried about what you know he might say and how it might go down and the day of the meeting so i set up this meeting to actually you know tell him at this point he had no idea that i was you know considering um moving away moving like on from the company and the day of the meeting i literally couldn't concentrate i was like sitting there all morning at my desk just like running over this conversation in my head over and over and over again and just like so nervous And then when I actually walked into the meeting room to to tell him, I could literally like feel my heart, like pounding in like right up in my throat, right? It was bizarre. It was crazy. And it was such a tough conversation for me to have. And I just remember how uncomfortable that whole experience was. But ultimately I had it. I was able to tell them and I was able to move to Australia and very often, if we want to change something in our lives, it means having a difficult conversation, having an uncomfortable conversation. You might want to leave your job. You might want to ask for a raise, negotiate with your landlord, tell someone close to you how you really feel. These are all really uncomfortable, difficult conversations, and they're not easy. One, because they usually involve you know, telling somebody, some uncomfortable news, right? Feeling like we are letting them down or maybe we're having to be very vulnerable in that situation and all of those things are really uncomfortable, but also because we don't get much practice at having these conversations. We do them very, very rarely and anything that we do rarely, we're not going to be that good at. When I was at McKinsey, they had this training every year that they would run in a resort in Austria. And at this training, there's a specific course focused on having difficult conversations. I did this and I learned some concepts on how to hold these conversations and we also got to practice them. And so there's a few things that I learned and that I took away from this and it's been a really truly invaluable experience to get that training. And so I thought today I was reflecting on this idea um, with a friend of mine about how very often a difficult conversation is what's standing in the way of where we are now. someplace that we might want to go and so i thought that i would share some of the tips that i've learned along the way about how to have a difficult conversation so let's get into it there's six of them number one is plan ahead when you're in the heat of the moment when you're having this conversation you're pumped on adrenaline your heart's pounding you're not breathing properly and it can be really hard to remember what you wanted to say and so what i would advise people to do is Take it a sheet of paper and on that, write down your one main message, the one thing that you have to say in this conversation. For example, in my situation where I was moving on from this company and I was moving to Australia, my message was, I've decided to leave the company, I'm moving to Australia. It's short and it's sweet. You can plan other things like your reasons why you're doing it, but what I found is the reality is when you get into this conversation, they usually don't play out how you think that they will um, and they can kind of go in different directions and be a bit messy. So frankly, I wouldn't over prepare and I wouldn't worry about that. You can write them down if you think it, if it's helpful for you in kind of like making you feel more comfortable with the conversation. But my advice would be just plan ahead and have that one big thing that you have to say in the conversation. The second piece of advice that we were given in this McLean training, which has always stuck with me, is to land the plane early. So here's what doesn't work. You come into a room and you've organized this meeting and you need to tell this person your difficult message, whatever it is. And you sit down and you start saying something like this. Oh, maybe you chit chat for a while and then you go, look, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. I know that this is a really, really difficult conversation and I wish that I didn't have to have it, but the reality is just how things have played out that it's a piece of news that I have to tell you right now. And you haven't said anything yet, right? And the other person's just freaking out. They're like, what the hell is this person about to tell me? It's uncomfortable for them and it's uncomfortable for you because all of this time you're just thinking, oh my God, I still have to tell the main message so this is where the concept of landing the plane early comes in you want to say your main point the one that you wrote down in your kind of planning ahead session you want to say that as early as possible in the conversation land the plane early in this situation you want to come in basically sit down and you want to say look i've decided to leave the company." It's much easier for both of you to just jump in like this. It's like standing on the edge of the sea or something, and you're thinking about getting in, and you can walk in bit by bit, slowly, 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 and it's freezing, and it's just painful over like a long period of time, or you can just dive in head first, get it over and done with. Do the latter. Land the plane early. Point number three, be super clear with your messaging. You don't want any ambiguity around the message that you're delivering. So keep your language strong, concise, and don't leave any room for misinterpretation. You don't want to say something like this. I've been thinking about the potential of, you know, transitioning maybe like into a new role. What, like, what are you talking about? We've no idea. What could happen is if you aren't clear with your messaging is the other person leaves the business and they actually might not know what it is that you told them, or you might be on two completely different wavelengths. They might think, oh, this person's, you know, considering a new role, but like they're not leaving. Whereas actually what you wanted to say was, I've decided to leave the business. Be super clear, keep your messaging tight and concise. Number four, stay calm. Sometimes, quite rarely, these conversations can get heated. It's very much dependent on the personality of the person that you're talking to. But it's really, really important for you to stay calm, and especially, I would say, if it's a work environment. So stick to your guns and don't you know, compromise on the message that, you've been, that you need to deliver, even if the person is getting right, if they're challenging you, if they're becoming heated, whatever else it is, try and stay calm. And honestly, if it gets to a point where they're becoming even more heated, just remove yourself from the situation. Like physically walk out of the room and say, look, I understand you're upset. Maybe we should come back to this at a different point and get out of there. Usually people calm down after a little while, the adrenaline subsides and they come back and they can re-enter the conversation and they can do it in a much more calm way. What you don't want to do is have a blow up with them, have a big fight. You say something stupid, they say something stupid. Now it's really messy. You don't want that. Stay calm. Get yourself out of the situation if you have to. Number five is to focus on what the best case scenario might be. So when we're thinking about these conversations, it can be really difficult and we can get really nervous like, um, like I did, where we're focusing on how things can go wrong. But from my experience, most of the time, people are very, very understanding. And it can be helpful to focus on how things could go right. Your bosses probably had to tell their own boss in another role that they were leaving their job they get it when I told the team at let's get checked that I was leaving they were incredibly supportive and they were already offering me references or letting me know that if I change my mind I could always come back and come back into my role at let's get checked it was incredibly supportive it was definitely the best case scenario whereas I spent all the weeks leading up to this conversation thinking about what the worst case scenario would be that they were going to scream at me and shout at me and tell me I was making a massive mistake didn't happen Focus on the best-case scenario. And the last tip, number six, is to realize that their reaction is not in your control. There's no guarantee that the other person is gonna take this well. As I said, usually they do, usually it all works out great, but the off chance that they don't, that it doesn't work out great, you need to realize that all you can do is control your behavior in the situation, your behavior in the conversation. You can't control their reaction. So stay calm. Don't say anything dumb. Don't say anything offensive. And if they lose the plot, that's on them. The ideal situation is one where you can mutually agree on something. You move away with a good relationship. But that mightn't happen. You're making this choice for a reason. That's the most important thing. Not your relationship with you know your boss or whoever this person is. Usually, right? Obviously, if it's you know, somebody very very close to you, then the relationship is important. But usually, this person is not the most important person in your life. And you're making this choice for a reason. So stick to your guns. And if that person isn't able to keep a good relationship with you, that's on them. It's not on you. So there are the kind of six tips I have and the lessons that I've learned about how to have difficult conversations. They're never easy, but they're very powerful because once you have this conversation and then you're out the other side of it, there's such a weight lifted off your shoulders and you're really hopeful for the thing that you've made the choice to go and do. And you've had the conversation that allows you to do that so that's all for today's episode i hope you enjoyed it let me know i love when i get messages of people some people messaged me last week about last week's episode and i really enjoyed the feedback and hearing what people thought about it right because i could test out different formats on this and i always like hearing what works maybe what doesn't and um, so that i can refine things and keep keep making this better as always follow me on socials linkedin steve Duke on instagram get me on the two roads pod and other than that i'll be back Next week for episode, I think 23. Episode 23. Yeah, we'll go with it. Episode 23 of the Two <laughs> Roads podcast. That don't give a fuck about. Snowy here, i all of ego cobby mira kobbi sa sovet some gilipa chaira hechu K Aki kika like it's a peri cross on the